This is what you call a paradigm shift. Goodbye and good night. Welcome to the Wrestling Nations Podcast. I am your host, Braden, alongside my co-host, Dale. Today, we're going to be talking about the GCS herd around the world. Finally, Kenta showed up on AEW Dynamite and attacked John Moxley. The Forbidden Door is now open. We're going to be getting to that in today's episode, alongside some other news in the world of wrestling. So, to start you off for today's episode, yes, Kenta finally showing up on AEW. The Forbidden Door is now open. New Japan is finally working with AEW after years of people wanting this. Maybe not years, but since AEW's creation, people have wanted this, and it's finally happening. I can speak for everybody when I say, man, we're all excited. And I know Dell is, too. Oh, yeah, definitely I am. Like, holy shit. I, I can't believe it actually happened. Like, at first, when Moxley attacked Kenta on AJPW Strong, I was thinking, like, okay, this is probably just going to be just in the confines of New Japan Strong. But then when Kenta popped up, I was like, oh, my gosh. It actually happened. It actually fucking happened. I, I couldn't yeah. And I remember um, when Moxley was feuding with Suzuki last year, like one of my fantasy booking things I had in, the, in my mind was like, oh, it'd be so cool if Suzuki just popped up on AEW and attacked Moxley. That'd be so cool. But obviously that didn't happen. But now with Kenta, it's like, a re- it, this is like the real deal now. Yeah, uh, it's, like I said, people have been wanting this for ages and it's finally happening. And uh, I can speak for everybody now and say, man, we're excited. And, uh, you know, there's, this is going to shock the world of wrestling. I mean, it has. It's even been reported in Yahoo Japan, which is like a mainstream, mainstream publication in Japan. So it's really, it's hit the entire world, not just the wrestling world. This is a massive thing to happen. It's something that fans have been clamoring for for ages. And so for it to finally happen, for Bushiroad and AEW to get their stuff to, to get their shit together and you know finally you know a lot of this to happen is amazing you know we're going to talk about some of the dream matches we want like uh you know later in the episode but uh to just explain to you what happened quickly uh so moxley and Pac and phoenix wrestled kenny omega and the good brothers in the main event of the show uh in a very good match uh after the match after i believe the good brothers and kenny won uh they attack Moxley. Moxley fights him off with the help of Lance Archer. And then someone from the crowd jumps Moxley wearing a cap, an AEW hoodie, and a mask. When I, when I mean mask, I mean facial covering COVID mask, not a wrestling luchador mask. And uh, they attack Moxley, and then they take off the hat. They take off the mask. They unzip the jacket, and it's Kenta, and the place loses their mind. And, uh, and then he hits... Moxley with what we call the GTS heard around the world. It shocked the world. And Kenta is officially in AEW. The Forbidden Door is now standing wide open. It's finally here. After months of teasing, you know, all of this is culminating in this. And uh, it's exciting to see, like I said, a thousand times already. But uh, yeah, so afterwards too as well, 
Kenny was in the parking lot after the show went off the air, and he was talking about Kenta being there and how he's excited for quote unquote brother Kenta to be in AEW. And so he sees Kenta and he says, Hey, brother Kenta, how are you? I didn't know brother Switchblade was going to, brother Switchblade didn't tell me that you were going to show up. He said, Welcome to Bullet Club America. And he throws up a two sweet. And then Kenta smiles and he utters probably the most infamous line for me in wrestling in all of this year and probably all of last year. A line I will be repeating for years to come. He just simply looks at Kenta. I mean, looks at Kenny, sorry. And he says, what, Dale? Shut the fuck up. I'm not your friend. (laughs) And that has to be probably the most replayable clip in the history of wrestling. (laughs) Because just the way he delivered that line, it's got to be one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Uh, Oh, it's it's hilarious, yeah. And I mean, I remember a friend of mine clipped that part in the video and sent it to me, just the part we where Kenta says, shut the fuck up. But obviously, AEW got the censor right for that one, funnily enough. They actually got it right, because usually they, it'd be something like, shut the fuck, babe. <laughs> yeah, it's like, shut the fuck, babe. That's usually what they would do. But this time, they actually got it right. But then again, it was probably a pre-recorded video that they did. So they could have time to actually get the censor right. Whereas on live TV, it's like, a split second will cost you. It's like, you son of a bitch. Like that sort of thing. Or, or uh, <laughs> you're an asshole, babe. Or like, uh, you're an asshole, babe. Like, like it's yeah. like, I, I, I want to think that there was probably a, a time. I think there was one episode I remember where they were just like, fuck the senses. We're fucking them up anyway. So let's just not put the senses. So I think it was like during a, it was a Team Taz and Darby promo on one of the episodes, and then Taz called him a son of a bitch, and then they didn't even bother trying to put in the censor. They're just like, they're just just let him say whatever he wants to say. We we're, we're done doing the censors. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but then a match is made, a groundbreaking match is made as a result of that next week on AEW Dynamite. It will be a false count anywhere, no disqualification match between Lance Archer and the IWGP United States champion John Moxley will take on Kenny Omega and Kenta in an AEW ring. The ramifications for this is astronomical. It's insane that we're finally getting this. Like I've said a thousand times already in this episode. I apologize for the repetitiveness, but man, this is very exciting. Uh, it's 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 hard to even comprehend at this point. Oh, did you notice on the match graphic, instead of like the normal John Moxley uh, graphic that they use for AEW uh, promo- promotion, they used a picture of him holding the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship. Yes, which is the first time they've actually acknowledged the fact that he is IWGP champion. Yeah, they always made like subtle references like uh, John Moxley wrestled at the Tokyo Dome this past weekend against so-and-so, but it's not like they made it like some sort of big uh, hoo-ha like on Dynamite. Just, it's it's just like something like Excalibur just mentions on commentary or, or something like that. Yeah, I've noticed over the past couple of weeks, especially when... Hero May left the company. They started mentioning Okada by name and mentioning Ibushi when he won the title. Uh, and, you know, just there's slowly reference and slow references to it. And then Kenny and the Good Brothers wearing a Bullet Club t shirt on uh, 
uh, impact, hard to kill. And there's many slow references to it, even by Jay White, who recently made his return to New Japan. When he came back, he said he wasn't, quote, he's not coming back to form a crappy reunion to sell crappy T-shirts or something like that. Uh, that was his exact words, I think, sort of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, this course, is the real Bullet Club, you see. Yeah, that. yeah. And uh, the Young Bucks made fun of it on BTE. Uh, and then, of course, Tamatonga has been just absolutely losing his mind. You know, Kenny Oshaga in the bootleg club. Yeah, Tama's whole thing is what's interesting because, like, uh, Excalibur asks a very interesting question at the end of Dynamite. He asks, has the rift between Bullet Club been fixed because it's interesting that Kenton didn't attack Omega at the end of Dynamite because but also have- I think I think the the uh backstage sort of thing proved that, that no the riff has definitely not been fixed though yeah 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 because it's interesting I mean although Kenny thought otherwise apparently him Kenta telling Kenny to shut the f up was not an indication that they didn't like each other. Because even after even after he said that, and Kenta walked away, and Kenny asked Tony to make the match, <laughs> Kenny's like, "Hey, Kenta, wait up, brother!" And he starts running after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also, it's it's one of those circumstances where the saying goes, "The enemy of my enemy is my friend." So that's literally what's going on here. So in this case, uh. Kenny and Kenta both have a common enemy in John Moxley. So that's like, okay, we're going to put our differences aside. We're going to take out John Moxley. And what happens after that, we'll see from there. I, I, you know what I want to see from this? I want to see Kenta versus Kenny Omega in an AEW ring or even a New Japan ring. That match would be insane. Like, uh, if, that- like if they decide to reignite the Bullet Club Civil War storyline that we didn't I think they are I think that's where it's going yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. like I I honestly think they should because um, that storyline didn't get a proper payoff it just ended no because of the and it was also it it was because of the whole AEW thing that that caused it to just end so abruptly it was also sort of a dud too in general even before AEW it just didn't they didn't like make it as a big deal as they should have like between Kenny and Cody, they did. But then when the Tongans rejoined and Cody rejoined the Bullet Club, it just everything was forgotten about and all was good. Because Kenny had won the title by then. He had reunited by the Bucks. Cody was back with him. I was like a thousand times more upset over Cody uh, losing than, or Cody attacking Kenny than I was t- the Tongans. Because what I really wanted to see was the Elite. The Elite. The elite is what I really cared about and what I saw Bullet Club as. And so when the Tongans, you know, broke up Bullet Club and Kenny or Cody turned face and rejoined the elite, I was actually happy that Tongans did that because Cody rejoined the elite. I didn't care that I never cared about the Tongans because New Japan, I guess, didn't make me care about the Tongans. And that's not a knock on Tama Tonga or Tonga Loa or Bad Luck Fale, but they were always seen as the mid-card team. You know, you're never six-man team. And now all of a sudden we're supposed to take them seriously as a threat. Like there, there was just so many things they did wrong, but credit to Tama and Tama and Tonga, Tama Tonga and Tongaloa. They have really made themselves into star, an even bigger star since Kenny left with Jay White. They've really made Bullet Club back into what it used to be. And yeah, I want to see this Civil War reignited. And I want to see it end in Blood and Guts. We were supposed to get that in July, uh, June, sorry, I think. Yeah. And uh, Pandemic ruined that. So 
I know we should just get it in March. Yeah, yeah. March. I was yeah. gonna say time seems like a blur. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, but no, we unfortunately didn't get that. We're supposed to get it between the elite and the inner circle. But I think we'll be seeing it between Bullet Club Elite and Bullet Club OGs, and uh, that should be very interesting. Oh yeah, definitely. And now that you've got much more big main event players in the Bullet Club these days with Jay White and Evo and Kenta, it makes the stakes even higher with um, the potential dream matches that we might see. Like, for example, the one that you mentioned is Kenny Omega versus um, Kenta. That that would actually be a really good match. And then another um, really good dream match, even though it's happened before, it would be nice to happen again is the box versus G.O.D. Yeah, even though they have wrestled one time before, it was a really good match the one time they did wrestle. Yeah, I'd like to see a rematch between those two. The last time they wrestled, G.O.D. won. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Also, I think if they're going to do a blood and guts match, I think Thomas should bring back his old face paint. That's just a minor nitpick, but... Yeah, I think. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think you should bring back the face paint. I think so too. Like Tomatonga with the face paint was actually pretty cool. I don't know why he stopped, but whatever. Also, I'm 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 not afraid to mention another podcast here. Steve from Stephen Larson, the Going In Raw podcast, brought the fact that he didn't think they would do blood and guts, or at least call it blood and guts, because it's an outdated reference. If you don't know, blood and guts was a uh, I guess sort of a rib or spoof on Vincent Mann because Vincent Mann said that AEW was nothing but blood and guts. And so they named the match blood and guts, which is originally the original war games, but they can't call it war games because WWE owns that. So I was wondering what you think. Do you think they'll change the name and make it a more timely reference? Or do you think they'll stick with blood and guts? I think they'll probably stick with blood and guts because um, for many of us, that, that was what they associated Blood and get blood and guts too. It's this war war game style match. So I think for the time being, though, I think it would be weird if they just suddenly change the name from blood and guts to uh, something else. Because I mean, let's take TNA for example. Like one of the iconic matches is the Lethal Lockdown match. Now, if you suddenly change, suddenly decide to change Lethal Lockdown to something else, it will feel so weird to the audience. Because but we then again, see- the blood and guts match never happened. Yeah. Okay. That that is a fair point. But at the moment, I just feel like when they did the advertising for blood and guts, they said blood and guts equals war star a war, war game style match. So how they how they potentially try to change the name, they're going to have to think very cleverly about how they're going to do that. That's just my feeling about it. What if they call it war, uh, not war games, maybe war play or, no, I'm kidding, I'm joking. I don't know. I think they should stick with blood and guts. Uh, yeah, I think that's a cool name. I, I just thought that was an interesting point brought up by Steve. And so I thought that we would maybe mention that here on the podcast. We're not afraid to mention other podcasts on this show. Uh, t- see, we'll say TNA. Ooh. Uh, nah, uh, I think they should stick with the Blood and Guts name. I also think this match should happen. And it'll pr- I think it'll happen this eh, this year. Yeah, I'll say this year. I say in summertime this year it'll happen. Hopefully, if the pandemic starts calming down now that um – Vaccines are being administered to most countries right now. 
but it's also a matter. Yeah, again, the pandemic is what's going to decide that. Number one, number two is also when <laughs> AEW decides to bring back audiences. I know they're doing that already at Jacksonville with like a small number, but I know that I remember that they want to do blood and guts when they can fill out or fill out arenas again. So, uh, yeah, well, I know our current president here, at least here in the United States, Joe Biden says that he plans to have every American vaccinated by July, I believe. So apparently we're supposed to be rocking and back to normal by July. So at least here states, I don't know about Japan. I know they've got some cases going on right now that are spreading like wildfire, but uh, at least here stateside, things are looking kind of bright, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, we just hope that people will follow, will keep to continue to follow the rules about staying safe and staying healthy and protecting one another so that we can have full arenas of screaming fans again at wrestling shows because yeah it's again for me like who's in japan it feels so strange that audiences are just clapping for matches i mean it's that we can actually have wrestling shows with audience members but it just feels so weird just clapping all the time instead of just like being part of like the audience like just shouting people's names like Tana Okada Naito what whatever like yeah, this. Yeah. Uh yeah. I think um this is yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree. As Sting once said. Okay, so Dale, off the top of your head, can you name me two your top five AEW versus New Japan three matches? Um well I definitely like Tanahashi versus Jericho again in an AEW ring. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi and Puck would actually be a really good match. Oh, Shingo versus Kenny would be a really good hard hitting match. Oh, that would be really good, especially with like how Shingo's proven as the never open weight champion. That oh, that would be great. Um, FTR versus G.O.D. That that I think would be a good one. And last one off the top of my head. Um, this is good. This is going to be a really weird one. But Private Party versus Kanemaru and Desperado. What? I was trying to okay, think. Yeah. Of like, I was trying to think of like a junior tag team match that would be good. And I was and the one that I was thinking was like Private. I, I wanted to put a. <laughs> put private party in but I couldn't think of like the right tag team so I thought who's been good recently ah Kanemaru and Desperado have actually been really good so how about that and Brayden what are your dream matches I would say mine are probably Darby Allen and Hiromu Takahashi I'd say Pac and Tanahashi I would say Kenny and Ibushi uh, a 60 minute Ironman match for the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental and the AEW for 60 minutes. And then I f- forgot. Oh, I think I remember which was the other one. Osprey and uh, Phoenix. Ray Phoenix. Yeah, Osprey and Ray Phoenix, I think you said, was also your other choice. Yeah, those are some really good um, 
dream matches. Like, but then again, the the, the possibilities are, are endless. Also on the show, besides AEW New Japan, we had the announcement of the AEW Women's Championship number one contender tournament. There's a Japanese side of the bracket and a USA side of the bracket. And on the Japanese side of the bracket, we had Mei Saruga from Got The Move. We had Emi Sakura, the founder of Got The Move, and uh, Freddie Mercury cosplayer. We had Yuga Sakazaki from... TJPW and also AEW fame. We had uh, Ryo Mizunami who made one appearance for AEW at the inaugural Double or Nothing in a six-woman tag. We had Vinny of Seedling Fame pouring tag partners with Hani Kimura. They were the Dangerous Flowers, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. Uh, and they were a tag team in Ice Ribbon. We also had Aja Kong, the legend. And we also had the legend, the queen, the queen of simps, Maki Ito. She is going to be making her debut in AEW. And the fans were going nuts for this. She tweeted on Twitter. Her tweet said, what did it say, Dale? Hello, motherfuckers. Ito-chan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and also Rin Katakura as well. We forgot her again. Okay, I know the littlest about Rin Katakura other than she wrestled in that one match in Stardom this year where it was her, uh, Takumi Iroha, which they're a tag team in Marvelous, and uh, Mei Hozuki, maybe? Uh, she wrestled Azumi for the high speed belt. That girl. Yeah, her. And they wrestled Momo, Utami, and Saya, Queen's Quest, in a 6 one tag match series that was pretty good. That's all I know about. And then on the American side of the bracket, we have Serena Deeb, who's the current NWA Women's Champion. Riho making her return from Japan, coming back to AEW full-time now. Dr. Britt Baker, Ty Conti, Thunder Rosa, Nyla Rose, Anna Jay, and Layla Hirsch. Yes, that's pretty. also a pretty good side of the USA bracket. Someone asked on Twitter why Riho was on the USA side of the bracket. And someone replied saying, she is a Riho American. Fight for the rights of every man. That That's a good pun. That's a really yeah, good like, pun right there. Yeah, like, <laughs> what you gonna do when Riho runs wild on you, brother? Well, she's not, the, she's not the, they don't call her the first ever AEW Women's Champion for nothing, though. Uh, hey, she running wild over the division, brother. She ain't even go on TV. She's so over. Of course, let's just run down some of the competitors and give some of the backstory real quick. You know, Vinny, she's been in this business a long time, and she definitely deserves the spotlight she's getting. Uh, she used to be tacking partners with Hani Kimura. They came up together in Ice Ribbon. You know, she's very talented. She can do moonsaults. And she, she she even hangs with some of her male counterparts. She's a very good wrestler, and she deserves a spot. She even wears, after Hana passed away, Kyoko Kimura, Hana Kimura's mother, and legendary deathmatch wrestler in Japan, gave uh, her uh, Hana's kimono to Asuka, and, or to Vinny. Her name is Asuka Asuka, Asuka Vinny, Vinny Asuka. They're calling her Vinny for the sake of this. But uh, yeah, so she gave her Hanna's robe. And so she wears Hanna's old Oedotai robe to the ring now. So it'll be interesting to see if she wears that to the ring for this too. I imagine she will. Uh, you know, and there are going to be, she is also, because she's also the first Japanese transgender woman in wrestling. And she's also the second ever transgender woman to appear on AEW 
And unfortunately, there's going to be those people that, you know, will say, oh, she's a man. And well, to put it simply, to those people, I say, screw you, because she is every bit a woman as any other woman, to be honest with you. And she deserves the spotlight she is getting and she deserves what she has now and she deserves to be in this tournament. And anybody that says otherwise is just a bigot and an idiot. Okay, moving on from that, we have Aja Kong. Of course, the legend, she has been all over the world. When you think of Joshi, you think of Aja Kong. She is on the Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling, of Joshi wrestling. And she's on the Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling, in my opinion. Uh, she's going to be very valuable to this tournament. Uh, Yuka Sakazaki coming back. She's very over with the AEW audience. Mesa Ruga finally getting a chance. Uh, you know, she's also a young up and coming talent who's gonna do well in this tournament. Uh, Rin Katakura, someone who literally not even some people in the Joshi community know, is that that was a real shock to me to see her in this tournament. Um, I hope uh, she's very good from what I've seen of her, and I think she'll do well in this tournament. Also, of course. Maki Ito. She will, they will captivate towards her like nobody's ever seen. Even Cody on Twitter this week said, I want her to win. And so now I guess she's going to come out with a ton of pyro and, you know, do moody clotheslines and Cody cutters. And she called it the Ito cutter. And now her and Lance Archer are going to get together and they can finally be that tag team they always wanted to be. Yeah. The Neo. The 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 Ito Neo respect army is gonna grow in AEW, not only with possibly Lance Archer officially joining, but probably members of the AEW crowd who have never heard of Maki Ito before. I'm pretty sure that a lot of new fans uh, of Maki Ito will be made during that AEW tournament because. Um, how I also got into Maki was just seeing like snippets of her wrestling and her talking. And then there's even like a Twitter account that uh, translates uh, Maki's tweets from time to time. And so that's how I first found out about it. And I remember just looking, it's like, damn, she's so charismatic and entertaining. She's great. And and then, yeah, that's that's what eventually led me to TJPW. Yeah, Maki is going to be one of those stars that sort of, I may even think she might even transcend wrestling. She might become a, you know, some people that even wrestling fans don't know. Even my friend who hates Joshi wrestling. I wouldn't say he hates it, he just doesn't like it. Even he knows who Maki Ito is. Yeah, and, like, that, and, and that says a lot about her as a person too. If 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 it, it's 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 like it's like almost the same as like uh, people who have not watched WWE before. If you say John Cena, they'll know exactly who you're talking about. It's like those types of people that transcend the industry that they're originally from, and then start becoming like a pop culture sensation. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what Maki does. Who do you have winning the tournament, Dale? You mean the bracket or like the entire tournament? <laughs> the entire thing. Oh, that's tough. Um, I would like Maki to win the tournament. That's what I'd like as a fan. But statistically, I would probably say Yuka Sakazaki. I think Yuka has a good chance of winning this tournament. I, I want Vinny to win this tournament very badly, but I'm going to say Maki Ito wins this tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when Cody says he wants you to win, you're going to win. 
<laughs> well, he is, the, he, he, is, he is the EVP of AEW, so, yeah. <laughs> the fans have been clamoring for her for months, so, yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, I think, I think since the inception of AEW, people are clamoring. Like, when they first started bringing the Joshi wrestlers over to AEW, a lot of fans are like, when is Maki Ito going to be on AEW? When is Maki Ito going to come? Because, like, for many people, they, they for, for, like, the hardcore fans, they picked up instantly, no, these are TJPW wrestlers. And if if these are TJPW wrestlers, then that means probably Maki Ito is going to make an, uh, an appearance soon. And I'm pretty sure she was probably going to appear on AEW television at some stage. But then when the pandemic happened, those plans probably got derailed. And now that they were able to find a way to to, to highlight the Joshi wrestlers once again um, by having the tournament in both the US and Japan, now they can finally put the spotlight on those Joshi wrestlers that they really wanted to highlight early on, but just couldn't. Yeah, uh, this tournament should be very interesting. I'm glad they're finally doing something with this division that people are excited about. Yeah, this is definitely a breath of fresh air for the women's division of AEW because <laughs> I, 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 I can say, I can say this till the cars come home, and everyone and probably everyone else has said the same thing. But yeah, long time. Uh, AEW's women division has struggled. So having a tournament like this, especially with highlighting new wrestlers that casual fans haven't heard of, is a good move. And I also like the fact that they're making this a big thing because when they announced that they were just like coming soon and we don't know who the participants were, so it created all this buzz and suspense. And also the fact that you have the American and the Japanese flags is like, oh my, we're gonna get like an international crossover event, that sort of thing. So yeah, this this is this is gonna be good. Um yeah, and moving on from that, before we get out of here and before we close today's episode, uh, I just wanted to remind people that next week we were supposed to be reviewing stardom, the vault poll that you guys voted on, but we decided not to this week because of the shocking AEW New Japan news. We're going to do a we're going to review the show that you guys voted for, and we're going to review a Kyrie Hojo show, hopefully, with Farrah. If not, we'll review it without her. But yes, we're going to be reviewing two stardom shows next week since we didn't review the one this week. I promise we'll make that up. Uh... Uh, also, before we get out of here, Dale, uh, how do you think WWE is going to react to what is going on between AEW and New Japan? And what do you think this means for the future of NXT Japan? Oh, interesting you brought up NXT Japan because <laughs> NXT Japan was plagued with issues for a really long time. Like, it's no secret that they tried to make this a thing where WWE tried to buy stardom and pro wrestling Noah at, at one stage. And then eventually, as most people know, uh, stardom got sold to Bushi Road and then Noah got bought by um, Cyberfight. No, Cyber Agent, I apologize. Cyber Agent was who bought Noah. And so and it those, became Cyberfight. Yeah. Yeah. And then they became Cyberfight along with DDT. So those put a damper on NXT Japan. Then the other thing that they tried to do was to get 
all Japan involved because they had talks with Jun Akiyama, who was one of the head one of the heads of um, one of the head people of of all Japan at the time, and there were talks about it, and then those talks fell through, and then. Nothing happened between uh, WWE and and All Japan. So now, um, now that they have Kyrie back in Japan, that's doing basically media for for WWE. Uh, at the moment, NXT Japan doesn't seem to be a thing that's going to happen. If ever, not now, if ever. But it's 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 pretty clear that. WWE are still trying to make big moves in Japan, like with the recent addition of Meiko Satomura as a head coach and a wrestler on NXT UK. Now and she owns Sendai Girls. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And also Sendai Sendai Girls having some sort of partnership with WWE too. And then um, now that the company's trying to push Shinsuke again. That's also an interesting kind of parallel that's going on here too, is that they're trying to push Shinsuke again as a main event wrestler. And obviously Asuka being the the main event uh, women's wrestler that she is and with Io as the NXT women's champion. It's 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 actually interesting, like with all these parallels at play. It's 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 subtle and this is all just speculation, but there's no definite answer to what WWE is gonna do. I think WWE is still just gonna continue what they're gonna do. Unless we have unless there's gonna be some massive shakeup that happens in the coming weeks and months that will make WWE decide, okay, we're going to have to make a change. Similar to back in the day when WCW Monday Nitro became a thing and then WWE is like, okay, we've got to do the Attitude Era now. That, that sort of thing. But I think right now, WWE is not going to be phased about it and they're just going to go about doing what they're doing right now. What are your thoughts? Uh- I completely disagree with this. I think NXT Japan to begin with already had slim odds because if you don't know, they're not the biggest company in the world everywhere. New Japan is bigger than WWE in Japan. And so it's already going to be a hurdle because New Japan owns that territory. That's their territory. And now with AEW working with DDT, New Japan, and NOAA, and now all those promotions coming together, WWE doesn't stand a chance over there. It's it's not going to get off the ground because now it seems there's a sort of coalition against WWE. And with all these promotions working together who aren't WWE friendly, who are against WWE, it's just not going to happen. And I, for one, am very happy about that. Not that I don't want some of these people in Japan to get paid money by WWE, but I know what we know what happened with the UK. We know what hap- what's going to happen with the Indian market. We know... Like what they've done with it. They killed the territories for God's sakes. They ruined wrestling in the 80s. It's it's only going to get worse from here if they were able to go to Japan, but luckily they're not. So I think this is a good thing. Okay, okay. Um yeah, now you make now you make fair points there about um about why you think it's it's not gonna happen and and stuff like that. There's not a chance. You know what? I can't wait. There's not a chance in hell 
This is going to happen. So, Vance, you got no chance. No chance in hell. Well, then let me ask you this. With this coalition that's going on, at the end of it all, do you want this coalition to basically end WWE? Yes and no. I want it to end current, WWE. I want it to completely change creative. I want to see the WWE as we know it completely change. Do I want to see WWE go away? No. Because that means a ton of people would lose their jobs. And I don't want that. But it seems that's not stopping people in WWE from losing their jobs. Because even in a pandemic, when the company set to make record profits, 70 people still get fired. But hey, who cares? Apparently they don't. Uh, no, but I don't want WWE go away for good. Uh, I do think I want WWE change. I think their entire creative, I think Vince McMahon has to step down, which we know will never happen, but I think that's what has to happen. So, so then, um, so then if Vince McMahon ever like lets go of, of the rates of WWE, which like you said, is not going to happen anytime soon. Who do you think would be able to spearhead positive change in WWE? For me, it's Triple H. And you may think somebody else, but given with what he's doing with NXT and just like his mind about the product, it seems he knows exactly like what's the best way forward for the company. I think Triple H will run the company. You think you think he's gonna run the company? I think he will run the company, yes. And I think he will affect positive change. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think you also see sports entertainment become professional wrestling again. It will take a wrestling based approach again. Yeah, I mean, again, like I mentioned, NXT is 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 proving that with how with how it presents itself as the alternative to the traditional WWE product that you see on SmackDown. Yeah, so I think this will affect change in some way. I don't know what way, but I know NXT Japan won't happen. Oh, oh, actually, sorry. This this is a complete. This is off off tandem here, but I, I don't know why I remember this. Do you remember back when Kenta was still working with WWE? Um, oh, he uh, worked Noah. He worked. He worked Marufuji's anniversary show at Noah, but the only the only condition was he had to stick to uh, Hideo Itami. He couldn't be called Kenta during the promo in the promotional stuff and also in the match. Yeah, but that was super weird. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's actually inter- interesting at the time. Now that you're talking about this, like at that time, many people thought, "Is there some sort of like working relationship between?" WWE and Noah now that they allowed um, uh, Kenta to go work at Marufuji's anniversary show. And then I remember Marufuji himself even said how thankful he was for WWE um, allowing Kenta to to work the match. And he even said like, if, w- if WWE ever wanted to use him in the future, he would gladly repay that debt. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any. There turned out there was nothing between Noah and WWE because I believe at the time Noah was working with Impact. Yes, yes, yes. They were working with Impact at the time, and that was just a once-off deal just to allow so, uh, Kenta to work Marufuji's anniversary show. I, I didn't watch the match, but did he wrestle like Kideo with Tommy or did he wrestle like Kenta? 
No, he wrestled like Kenta. He was just Hideo Itami by, by name. But even though he was billed as Hideo Itami, everyone still called him Kenta. Even Marafuji called him Kenta at the end of the match. Did they refer to did like get his name grab and say formally Kenta? No, no, no. They couldn't. So he basically came out to his WWE music and the announcer called him Hideo Itami. But the fans Oh, but that was but, weird. But the fans and the and some of the announce team members were calling him Kenta. As they should have. Yeah. But but he uh, bas- yeah. but he basically wrestled like Kenta in that match. Yeah, that's cool. Uh yeah, I think this is going to be a good thing. <laughs> Basically, to wrap up what we've been talking about this entire episode, I think AEW and New Japan are going to, you know, shake the word of wrestling up. And we're basically what I'm telling you is expect the unexpected. This is going to be probably the wildest time in wrestling in the last 20 years, 23 years, 24 years. So buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Wrestling Nations podcast. And we'd also like to hear from you. What are some of your AEW and NJPW dream matches that you would like to see now that the forbidden door has been open? You can leave us your thoughts and suggestions on Twitter at TWNP878. That's at TWNP878. Next week, we'll be reviewing the Stardom Retro Show that you, the fans, voted for on our Twitter poll, as well as go through and review a Kyrie Hojo Stardom Show. We will hopefully have our good friend and special guest, Farrah, to review that show as well. But for now, guys, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.